What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. Buenos dias for those speaking Spanish in the audience this morning. I hope everyone is doing well. If you're tuning with us online right now, I want to say welcome. We're thankful that you tuned online this morning. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. What we want to do is send you an invitation to join us next week right here at the Jackson Civic Center and see what God is up to here in Jackson, Missouri. But thank you for tuning online. Those of you here, we had a good week. Everyone's doing okay quiet this morning. We got off to a little bit of a late start this morning, so what I want to do is go ahead and get into the Word this morning. We've been talking about for the last four weeks, and this will be the fifth week, about our mission here at the church. What we're here, what we're about. So why are we here? We've talked about each week, we've kind of mentioned the fact that we believe that each church should have a mission that they're trying to accomplish. Now there's the overall mission, which is to share the good news of Jesus with everyone. But each church, to be an individual church, needs to have a mission that they're trying to accomplish on their own or a unique way of bringing what it is that they have to bring. So we've been looking at our mission this past couple of weeks, and it would be up here, but I don't know that it's going to cooperate this morning. So our mission is simply this. If you, if you got one of our bulletins or one of those little pamphlets, you can see it on the back of that. Our mission is to effectively lead a generation of believers to a closer relationship with God through discipleship training. Athletics, entertainment, business, family, and in all walks of life. This will be accomplished by giving people the opportunity to freely worship God through the exercising of their gifts and effectively sharing Jesus Christ with others. And we used effectively there just a couple of times in that because we believe that if we're not effective at what we're doing, then it, we're, it's pointless. What are we trying to accomplish? So we want to be able to effectively share Jesus Christ with others through everything that we do. And we want to be able to effectively do the six things that are listed in our mission statement right there in the middle, which is discipleship training, athletics, entertainment, business, family, and in all walks of life. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at each of those. Today, we're going to be wrapping it up with the all walks of life portion of that statement. What do we mean by all walks of life? Well, if I'm being honest, when I first wrote that in the mission statement years ago, I'd say 2012 that came to me. So that's been years ago. When I first written, wrote that in there, the idea was I didn't want anyone to feel left out. So wherever you're at in life... That is who we're trying to reach, which is why we have our vision statements, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. We've been actually keying in on Galatians chapter 6, so if you have a Bible that you would like to use, you can open that up this morning since technology is not cooperating with us. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. And here's what it says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh... From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap 
eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray as we get ready to wrap this up this morning. Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for those that are tuning online right now, God. I just ask that you'll bless each of them in a special way, Lord. I ask that you will be with me, Lord, that you would speak your words through me, that they would not be my own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So after last week, let's try to break this apart just a little bit. We talked about do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Reaping what you sow, it means exactly what it says. So if a farmer plants corn, he's not going to expect a tomato crop, right? He's going to expect the corn to sprout up from the ground because that's what he sowed was corn seed. If you're sowing a tomato seed, then you'll get tomatoes. But if you don't, then you can't expect other things to come. So it's the same with us. In our spiritual walk, what we sow into our lives, what we sow into the lives of others is what we reap as our harvest. And it talks about two different types of sowing here in verse eight. One is sowing to please the flesh. And what it says about that one is from the flesh, you will reap destruction. What that's talking about is our carnal minds, our carnal desires, things that we want as humans that aren't necessarily godly, but we reach out for those things. So we're, that's what we mean when we're going after fleshly things or the desires of the flesh. Spiritual things are those that God would have for us. So if we're seeking out spiritual things and we're planting spiritual seeds out there, then we can expect to receive a spiritual harvest. But see, along the way, sometimes it gets tiring and you get tired of what you're doing. And it's like, why do I continue to do this? So that's why he reminds us in Galatians chapter or verse 9 there in chapter 6, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. So whatever it is that you're doing, then you don't need to begin discouraged because you haven't necessarily seen your harvest yet. One thing you can learn from a farmer is that a farmer, when they put a harvest in, they don't expect it to grow the next day. It takes time. It takes time for that seed to do its job. Now, the one thing that we can't explain is how the seed works. You can ask science, they can tell you how it works, but they can't explain how that seed knows to produce a tomato crop or a corn crop or whatever type of seed that you're planting, a tree, whatever it is. That seed just knows and it begins to flourish. So once it's put in the ground, the farmer's job's done, right? Until it's time to reap, right? So they plant it in the ground, they can't do anything else. It works that way spiritually because what we sow is what God begins to use and bless. So what it says is don't get weary in doing good, for at the proper time we shall reap a harvest if we do not give up. God's timing is never our timing. And that's one thing we constantly have to remind ourselves, and I have to remind myself because you kind of get impatient sometimes, no matter what it is. You're like, well, wait, wait, God, wait. You told me to do this. I know you told me to do this. What's up? But we got to learn that we need to wait on God's timing. When God's timing comes into play, then you better be ready. That's why we say during your waiting time, you need to be preparing yourself for the time when your harvest does come. Because if you're not ready and you're like a farmer, you don't have the proper tools to reap that harvest when it comes, you're going to lose a lot of crop because you don't know how to reap it. It's just going to sit there and die. So you got to have those you need. To reap it. So during our waiting time, God is just training us, teaching us, what is it you would have for us to accomplish? 
our vision statement comes back in. Here is where it sums up our entire mission statement, that big long thing I just told you. If you don't memorize that, the one thing you can memorize that summarizes it all up into five words is our vision statement, which is reaching others where they're at. God put us here in Jackson. Now, I was headed a different direction, but God said, you're going to Jackson. So I came back to Jackson, and I'm here. We've done what we're supposed to do. We're continually trying to figure out what it is God would like us to do. But we're not just here for no reason. You don't meet the people you do on a daily basis at work or wherever you're at for no reason. God has set aside those divine appointments that you need to be able to recognize as you're trying to reap. Because there are people that are in need. And if you look at this generation... A lot of the hope has been lost. People look around, and especially if you're one of those that just bench watches the news, because the news is going to be mostly negative. <laughs> but they throw in a positive one every now and then to keep it mixed up, but they're mostly negative. So if you're focused on that, then your focus is going to be all out of whack. So let's go to Mark chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, if you have your Bible. Mark chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 is where we're going to start out today. And we're going to talk about five things that the gospel does in our lives. Because we're talking about all walks of life. So there's no specific topic. What it is, is wherever those people are at, that's where we're trying to reach them. So what does the gospel have for all of us? Mark chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Here's what it says. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whom sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When you first begin reading that description, I see we've got it working. Good deal. When you first begin reading that description, of John, he doesn't seem like anybody special. I mean, the guy wears camel's hair for clothing, and he wears a leather belt around that, and he's eating locusts and wild honey. Now, at one point it was thought it was possibly a flower that they have in Israel was what a locust was, but they're discovering it was probably more the bug that you think of that he was eating. So the guy didn't have much, and he, he didn't need much, because what his mission was, was to accomplish what God had told him. And his, mess, his mission was to be the messenger. Telling people that the one coming is the one that you need to go and seek after. He comes. He's more powerful than me. Because the people were looking to John for answers. John knew, I'm not the guy. There's a guy coming. John knew his place. And if we're not in our place, then there are people that are missing the gospel message that we need to get. So the first thing you need to remember in point number one is that the gospel is for everybody. Not just for you to keep to yourself. God saved you and you praise God if you saved your soul, you're on your way to heaven. But that doesn't, that's just where the journey starts. That's not where it ends. At that point, you need to begin seeking what it is God has for you to do. What it is, who is it he wants you to touch? You need to be approaching each day wondering, who am I going to meet today possibly that God would put in my path that I can reach? Because here's what Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 5 says. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
So we each have a job. We each have a, and I, I've said this before, and I think it was in this series, but I like what Tasha said when she was here last March about your piece of the puzzle. Because if you're not in place, then there are pieces that go around you that are out of place too. So you need to begin to seek what is it that God has for me? What is it God has for mine? Because too many people are trying to seek after somebody else's call or somebody else's purpose in life and not the one God has for them. Well, God, I see so-and-so, they're doing this. That's what I want to do. And God says, no, that's not what I've got for you. I've got this for you. And if you'll walk in what God has for you, then your life will be much more prosperous. So we need to remember that even though it maybe it seems like your part is insignificant, remember the inner parts of our body, the parts that I couldn't even tell you were there, my wife could because she's a nurse, but the parts that I don't even understand make this body function. Same way in the church. You may not be on the stage preaching. You may not be on the stage singing. You may not be doing anything you ever get noticed for. But if you are a prayer warrior and God has called you to pray for your pastor, for your church behind the scenes, then guess what? Your job is just as important, if not more important than everything else that happens in that church. Because the prayer is the fuel that pushes the thing forward. Moving on, though, in Mark chapter 1, we're going to jump down to verse 16. We're kind of going to be jumping around Mark chapter 1, and then we're going to jump to chapter 2 for one verse here at the end. But it says, as Jesus walked, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. These guys were just fishermen. When if you looked at the job descriptions back then, they were all lower on the totem pole. They, they did an important job because they were feeding people, but they didn't really get recognized as that important in the society. So they were fishermen. But yet Jesus calls them out and says, come and follow me and I will teach you how to fish after people. You won't just fish after fish anymore. You're going to fish after people. And what happens now? Mark doesn't give a real description of how they knew to drop their nets. He just kind of quickly says they dropped what they had and they went and followed him. Imagine being in their place. You've got a guy walking by someday by the shore while you're fishing. You don't know who Jesus is. We do. It's the New Testament. We can read it now. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't know who Jesus was. Some guy walks around the shore. Now, maybe he was starting to build a reputation or something around his name. He says, come follow me. What makes you want to drop everything you've got to follow some stranger that you've never met? Now, we get a little more in-depth of the story in Matthew. He gives a little more of a background, which we're not going to go to today. But just understand something. Point number two is that the gospel takes commitment. This isn't something you just get into and expect your life to be easier from here on out. Matter of fact, if I'm going to be honest with you, if you're tuning online, if you're here, it's going to get harder. Because once you accept Christ, you're fighting that flesh that we talked about earlier in Galatians. You're fighting that flesh every day. You're trying to beat it down and get it out of your life so that you can move on to the spiritual things that God has for you. So it takes commitment. 
Don't let anybody tell you that a true Christian is a weakling because I'm telling you, it takes commitment to walk this thing out. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 20 said. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. These men, when they decided they were going to follow Jesus that day, had no idea what was down the road. No idea, probably at that point when they dropped their nets, if you think about it, they weren't thinking that, you know what, 2,000 years from now, people are going to be reading this story and they're going to be seeing what kind of a person that I became. No, they just took a chance and went with what God told them to do. That's where we need to get. We need to have the Bible talks about the faith of a child. What does that mean? The faith of a child, when you talk to your younger children, like your two, three-year-olds, and if they were up on a playset and they wanted to get down, they were just going to jump to your arms, and you said, jump, we're going to go home, more than likely, they're just going to jump. Why? Because they trust you, your mom, your dad. They've known you more than they've known anybody else in their lives so far, so they jump, just expecting that you're going to catch them. That's kind of like what we mean by our, our term, leap of faith in this society. God calls us to do something. It's unsure. People are always afraid of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't like that. And first of all, especially if it takes change. A lot of people, they hate that word change too. But sometimes, and it's going to take a change. Let me just be clear. It's going to take a change if you're going to get to where God has for you to get. So we need to understand something. When God says, let's go, it's time to drop our nets, quit what we're doing. And go. Now that doesn't mean go quit your job tomorrow. That's not what we're saying here. What we are saying is that you need to be willing to have an ear tuned to what God says. And when God does ask you to do something, you need to be willing to take the chance. Because that's what's going to grow your faith. Jumping down to verse 22 of Mark chapter 1. So we're just skipping a couple of verses. The people were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught them as one who had authority. Not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the region of Galilee. Point number three is the gospel is about deliverance. This man came to Jesus because he had nowhere else to go. He, he had nowhere else to turn. He'd been possessed. So he knew enough to go to Jesus. But yet the demons were still inside of him crying out. What do you want with us, Jesus? Because they recognized who this figure was, and they were a little fearful of his authority. So they wanted to know, have you come to judge us before his time? And then we know who you are. You're Jesus. We know. And what did Jesus tell them? Some of us would think this is an unusual comment. But Jesus says, be quiet. He didn't want them spreading around to people who he was. He said, come out of them. And they left him immediately. That's the type of authority God gives us. As believers, the problem is too many of us are so busy out here wondering, trying to accomplish somebody else's dreams that we miss on our, out on our own. Next Level Freedom Church is one of those places where I want to be able to see people come to the altar. I want to be able to see people get delivered miraculously. 
We are a house of miracles, signs, and wonders. God is wanting to do those miracles, signs, and wonders. But first of all, those that are here, he's got to get us ready so that when they do come, we're ready to cast out demons, to heal people that are sick. Different things like that that are still happening in this world. We don't hear about them a lot because this public society is not going to tell you about those things. But I have been in some services where this stuff was going on. Been in services where demons were cast out. I've been in there where healings were happening. Things that were legitimately God, but because it's unknown to us, us, sorry, we are afraid. But the gospel's about deliverance, so he can deliver you from that fear. He can deliver you from whatever your demons are. You just need to be willing to come to the source, which is Jesus. John 3, 16 to 18. You know John 3, 16, probably since you were a kid, if you've been raised in church at any point in time. If you haven't, well, good deal, because this is going to be your first time hearing it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 17 goes on, though. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Too many people want to think Jesus is here to condemn them. Get, take away their fun, but they really don't realize that he was sent here because God loved us. He wasn't sent to condemn us. He was sent to save us. The question is, where do you stand on that? Verse 18, though, goes on and it says, whoever believes, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. It all comes down to this. What are you going to do with this Jesus guy that we keep talking about? Well, let's talk a little bit more about it real quick. We've got a couple more points and we're going to wrap this thing up. Mark chapter 1, continuing there in verse 29. Here's what it says. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. In other words, she began to serve them. So the fever left when Jesus touched her, and she began to serve them. So here's the point number four is that the gospel is about healing. That's not always talking about a physical healing. Your, spiritual, your spirit needs healed before anything else. That's the point of salvation, so that you can be born again, be saved. That is the... A type of healing itself, and that's the most important one. But he's also able to heal your physical ailments as well. Here's what First Peter says about chapter 2, verse 24, as he was quoting Isaiah. Here's what Peter says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Past tense, we have been healed. Isaiah said, by his stripes, we will be healed or we are healed. Peter says, we have been. The, the, the question, are you going to accept and receive that healing that Jesus has to offer for you? Not only physically, but spiritually. We are to be a church that is after those things. So that if people, if you start seeing healings happening in a church, I guarantee you people are going to be coming. Because they want to know what is going on 
down there at the Jackson Civic Center that people are getting healed and walking out. Maybe they walk in crippled and they walk out whole. How does that work? So people are curious. So as Jesus begins to perform all these miracles, suddenly he starts drawing multitudes. Anytime you see Jesus in scripture, and it started small, but as he began to do what God had called him to do, multitudes. He was always being surrounded and flogged by thousands of people because they wanted they were curious, first of all. Now, some people were just curious because they wanted their healing, but others were curious as to who is this man? How can he do the things that he's doing? They wanted to see God is still the same. The Bible tells us yesterday, today, and forever. So that same God that healed in this New Testament is still healing today. You know what Jesus said as he was leaving his disciples? He said, these things you and more you will be able to accomplish now, how many of I mean, get those people that are like, well, that's not in the Bible, so it can't be true, right? Well, how many know, y'all know that in this time in the New Testament, walking on water wasn't actually in their canon or the canon, the Old Testament. They didn't have that. Jesus did it. He was breaking those rules because God can do so, right? And he says that we can do these things and more. So we need to understand who we are in God in order to move on to what God has for our future. Going back, now we're jumping over to Mark chapter 2 as we begin to wrap this thing up. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. So it's going to be a little longer read, but it's important to catch what's going on here. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, so, sitting on, at the tax collector's booth. Now, here's a tax collector. A lot of people didn't like him. So now he's grabbed fishermen. He had a guy telling people to repent who didn't really look the part of what we would consider a religious person, right, in this society. Now he's approaching the tax collectors. Now, it makes people start talking, but check out what he says. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, so he not only said, follow me, he had supper. He had dinner that night at Levi's house. Can you imagine the Pharisees here? Here's what we're going to read about. Verse 15 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus, I love Jesus, hear, hear what he said. Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, at this point, he's talking to the Pharisees who thought they were holier than thou. They were puffed up righteous, which is really what he's getting at. I'm not called to come to those of you and help those of you who don't want my help. I've come to save those who need my help. Jesus ate with tax collectors. He ate with sinners. Pharisees steered clear of that stuff. Why did they do that? Because they thought, well, some of their stuff might rub off on me. And then I'll be a sinner. And I can't be a sinner because I'm a Pharisee. Right? So they were religious knuckleheads. That's what I like to call them. Those of you who have been here a while, you've heard me say that before. Jesus says, I have come to heal those that are sick. 
I don't know what you guys are all about with your religious laws and the mess that you've gotten people into. Because what happened is the Pharisees had added so many laws. There was a big old book with laws of things that they had added to God's law to try to make people holy. Jesus says, I don't know what you guys are about, but I'm here to help those that are sick. So what he do? He did exactly what our vision statement says. He was reaching others where they were at. Didn't expect them to come in all cleaned up and ready to go. He, he told them to come with their mess. Levi was a tax collector. He was in a mess. They were known for cheating. Things like that. Jesus just says come. He wants us to come as we are. So point number five as we begin to wrap up is that the gospel is about new life. It doesn't matter what you did before Jesus. What matters is what are you going to do now that you have Jesus? If you've accepted him, if you haven't, we're going to give you that opportunity here in just a minute. Because here's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. And I like to switch this to the New King James just because I like the way it's worded better. But it says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ Jesus, or anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The opportunity of salvation is about starting over. It's about giving a new chance at life. If you're tuning online, I want to let you know. It doesn't matter the mess that you're in, wherever you're at in your life, however far down you think you've gotten, God still loves you, and he still sent his son to die for you, just like he died for me. Too many of us, we see those people who are like the tax collector Levi here, and we look down and judge them. And I, I want to say Christians, especially religious ones, are the worst at judging other people before they give them a chance to receive Christ. You forget where you came from. Because <clears throat> you didn't start out so holy yourself, right? And we're still not holy. Don't let them fool you. We're still working out our salvation is what the Bible says. But if you're sitting out there with me today, we've talked about all walks of life. So wherever you're at in life, let me just say, God loves you. Jesus loves you. He came to die for you, just like he came to die for me. If you want to receive his gift, which is free of salvation, then it's this simple. You can ask. The Bible talks about repenting. Which means turning from our ways. So we're going our way. It's not working out for us. It's falling apart. We want to turn and go God's way. So we make that turn and decide, God, I'm going to follow after you. You ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day. Becoming victorious over death. That I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Lord of my life. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Please forgive me of all my sins. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, I want to say congratulations. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go to the website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Go to the top, There's a click the menu button, go to the far right side, and there's a link called The Road to New Life. What is that? You click on it, and then it takes you to separate pages. If you follow them in order, it will explain to you what salvation is about. Why do we need to say it? What is the point of all this? So you click it, you follow it, and you get to the very end. There's a contact form. I want you to send me a contact if you go through or if you accept a crisis. I want to know about it. I want to celebrate with you. 
So send that contact form to me. It comes straight to my email, trentcruz at yahoo.com, and I would love to know about it. Next week, I want to remind those of you out there tuning in right now, especially if you've tuned this long, then I know you're still there. Then next week, there won't be a live message for us, message from next Sunday service, because we're going to be doing our Swapperoo service next Sunday, which is where us adults are going to get to hang out with our kids and see exactly what God is teaching them and hopefully interact with them in a positive way and learn together as a family. I'm excited about the swap room. This is the first trial. We're going to see how it goes and see how things go. But I'm excited because this gives the adults, especially us as parents who seem to get so busy in our lives that we forget to take that time with those kids. This gives us that opportunity next Sunday. So if you're tuning out there, maybe you're one of those parents that I need to spend more time with my kids, come join us next week. It won't be a regular service. We're going to be with the kids. So we're going to be hanging out. We're going to do kids things. We're going to have small groups, activities. Come and be a part of it. Thank you for tuning online. In a couple of weeks, we're going to begin a brand new series called Living on Purpose. We're going to talk about what does it mean to live life on purpose. And we'll talk more about that in just a couple of weeks. God bless, and we'll see you then.